Hello neighbours, and welcome back to Science and Magic, the films of Studio Ghibli. I am here, my name is Neil, I'm here with uh, my good friends Ruben, say hello Ruben. Hey, how's everyone doing? And Jamie, say hi Jamie. Hi! And we are here for the first time in the run, uh, joined by a guest, uh, and what a guest. My old buddy, my old co-host from the Mogwai Minute, uh, it's Mr. George Hendricks. George, how the devil are you? Oh, the devil's fine. <clears throat> he's fine. Is he there with you? Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's in the he's in near the room. Excellent. Now, George, he's reading comic books. I've got a question for you. Yes. Wouldn't be you wouldn't ever... be you without a question, Neil. <laughs> it's a little bit of role reversal for the Mogwai Minute listeners. George, have you ever come across a strange being in the woods and not been too traumatized to remember? Uh, um, I think the strangest things I've come across the woods that I can remember has been porn. Um, like but actual beings porn? themselves? No. Yeah, like, well, you know, like like magazines and stuff. Like, like, like woods physical porn. porn, yeah. Yeah, physical, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a thing. It really is. But, um, yeah, that's... I might have been the strangest being in the woods once I found that porn because I was probably, like... I was young and I was like, well, I, I'm, I'm set. Forever. I'm a man now, George. I have become a man, and I walk out with a warrior stance, and uh, my hair grew, and I got a beard, and it was great. And there goes our family rating for this podcast. Well, <laughs> I did say if you ever come, I think you can say porn strange. as long as you don't say what was in the porn. You just saw the cover, the tasteful cover yeah. of the Penthouse magazine. It was it was very tasteful. <laughs> well, we are here today to talk episode number four, um, movie number four. Although I was thinking about this, and you know, it, uh, it could have been movie number three. We just decided to do um, Grave of the Firefly. We spared you that one, George. Grave of the Firefly. Yeah, I heard we, about that, oof. and I'm like, phew, dodge all, that bullet. We all needed to take a little, a little break. Glad you let me one. pick. Yeah. <laughs> But weirdly enough, uh, th- this movie um, that we're going to talk about um, was released was released in a double bill with that with Grave of the Fireflies. This is My Neighbor Totoro, and uh, what a double bill that would have been, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I was traumatized by Grave of the Fireflies, which led me to watch uh, Totoro with like a very <laughs> anticipating tragedy viewpoint. Have you ever seen it before, Jamie? So do you think no? Okay. Oh, I have some, I have some right. thoughts Slightly about the, anti- the anticipating tragedy part of that. Yeah, I want to talk about that, because <laughs> yeah. uh, if you're coming off a of Grave of the Fireflies and you have a movie with a sick mother in it, you're going to like, what's going to happen? And like oh, a man. little girl, too. Like, I was like, oh, she's toast by the end of this Again, movie. Yeah. With, a dead, with a dying mother. So, me, so me. Now, that you've seen, now that you've seen them both, do you think, which order would you want to have seen them? When it came, uh, definitely you got, reversed. Reverse. You would want to see Totoro yeah. first and still be in a good mood and then be walloped by the <laughs> yeah. trauma. Exactly. <laughs> like it was a double billing at a drive-in movie theater. I would definitely want to watch Totoro first. Ruben, what do you think? I, I don't know. Uh, I don't think I, I... Like, when I finished, I'd seen Totoro before. Um, so I kind of knew it was ostensibly a happy movie. Many people think it's a happy movie. Uh, but Graveyard of the Fireflies was so incredibly dark. I would not, like, I would need to pick me up after that. That was just an <laughs> awful movie. I mean, that's one of the darkest films I've ever seen. And I don't know, I've seen a lot of movies. Um, it's just super dark. It was just watching two children slowly die. That's the and whole movie. And then you got to go yeah. home. 
Yeah, Grave of the right. Fireflies is like the anime version of Schindler's List. Like you saw it once. Yeah. You've do, you've done your social yeah. diligence in watching this very horrible to watch, but like socially relevant movie. Yep. I'm good. It's like Children of Men. It's like, I don't ever want to watch either of those movies ever again. I've seen them, and they were good, and they hit home. But Mm -hmm. I never want to watch any of those movies again. (laughs) Have you guys seen um, uh, an English movie called When the Wind Blows? No. 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 um, That sounds tragic. You know, (laughs) yeah, I mean, and I forgot all about it. Um, it, It's it's kind of the... Forgot or blocked it out, Neil. Possibly... The, the latter, but it, it it's um it's very invocative of um uh, of Grave of the Fireflies. It's the British version, basically. Uh, if you if you've seen the Snowman, Raymond Briggs is the Snowman. Mm-hmm. Everyone's seen, seen the Snowman, right? So it's basically it's Raymond Briggs. It's a Raymond Briggs um, graphic novel, uh, and then he was involved in making it an animated movie. Very tragic, horrifying. Um, go see it. Wow! Thanks, thanks, Neil. I I feel like that's the movie that has traumatized uh, British children for many decades Mm. now. That and Watership Down. Oh Oh, yes, yes. Boy, that one got me big time. Um, (laughs) But today, we today we're going to talk about a a movie of pure childhood innocence, aren't we, Ruben? Uh, yeah. One one might argue that. Let me tell you guys what goes on in this movie. I'll be I'll be as brief as I can. Um, but for those who uh, either haven't seen Totoro, there will be some spoilers, of course. So go and see the movie first, then come back. Yeah, it came out in 1988 and then was re-released in 2005. You should have seen this by now if you're going to watch it. Or if you might have seen it a while ago. Uh, and and to give you the context, um, here's the little here's the little plot summary. So basically, we've got uh, uh, Mr. Kusakabi and his two daughters, Setsuki. Uh, and May, uh, Setsuki is what about 12, 10? She's 12? like eight or nine. Yeah, I, I, would I, I would have guessed eight or nine. Eight or nine. Yeah, 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 I would put her older than ten. Wow. And then yeah. May is four. I think yeah. they say she's four. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. four years old. Got that one. Got dead. They are moving to the countryside, uh, the Japanese countryside, um, to presumably from the city, to be nearer their mother, who is a, uh, a long-term patient at a nearby hospital uh, she actually they, is uh, in there for tuberculosis i think tuberculosis that's right yes yeah, yeah. is that oh, what it is i always wonder what her illness yeah. was me too it's, it's ambiguous in the it's not i don't think it's named in the movie but i think that's basically what uh, Miyazaki mm. had in mind uh so they they kind of immediately fall in love uh with their new home it's a bit ramshackle um but it's in a beautiful surrounding countryside um satsuki calls it a wreck uh, but it's a beautiful old house uh, proper traditional japanese house uh, and the girls kind of wonder whether it's haunted. Uh, we shall see. Uh, it's noted that there's a huge camphor tree uh, next to the house, uh, and the girls find acorns all over the house, and those things will come back uh, in a bit. In a bit. Um, so they investigate the house. Uh, they open up the old kitchen, the old bathroom, and they dis- uh, go upstairs, and they disturb a bunch of dust bunnies. And this is where we get our first little injection of whimsy. Um, dust bunnies Super in the Japanese... <laughs> dust bunnies in the Japanese version uh, suit gremlins in yeah. the Disney dub yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they find this beautiful dual bathtub I love the bathroom um, we'll, get, we'll talk more about house I'm sure uh, and they meet Granny um, the girls call her Nanny in the Japanese version which everyone else in the Japanese version calls her Granny just the girls call her Nanny um, 
they get the place all cleaned up um, and Whimsy uh, is, is ramped up again. Uh, we, we get the dust mites flying off, the dust bunnies flying off, um, find a new home. Uh, they take a bicycle, which is again another another whimsical item, I believe. The bicycle. Do you agree with that? Is, is a bicycle? I don't know. I've got several bicycles right over here. They're not very whimsical. <laughs> They're, yeah, but when you ride it like he does, I feel like it's pretty whimsical because with two little girls in the front and back. Strapping two children on with no safety equipment—that is, that's either ballsy or whimsical. <laughs> yeah. Or just negligent parenting. I think that's uh, I think that's up in the whimsy. We have, a, we have a few instances of negligent parenting in this, but uh, yes. we'll, we'll, we'll I feel get, negligent it's not in a bad way. We'll get there. Negligent parenting, yeah. I think, is kind of a theme across a couple of, of these movies, mm-hmm. I feel. Yeah. yeah. But maybe it's because they're set in like an older time and we're just yeah, used to Yeah, like, and it's easier to let kids parenting. explore when the parents aren't there going like, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you yeah. doing? Where's your inhaler? Just talk to strangers. Yeah. Um, so they take a bicycle <laughs> trip uh, to see their mum in the hospital. And uh, the next, the next day, Satsuki heads off to school, leaving uh, Mei to explore on her own. Uh, cue more whimsy when she spots a little white, uh, half-translucent Totoro, uh, trying to sneak past her. Uh, we then double down on that whimsy again, um, adding a slightly, a slightly larger but still quite small blue Totoro, uh, not much bigger than, uh, not much smaller than Mai, actually, a little bit smaller than Mai herself. Anyway, she follows them down, uh, literally down to the rabbit hole uh, and up into the camphor tree and into an opening, uh, a big opening in the tree. Now, at this point, uh, what I feel is needed is a giant injection of whimsy. Um, You get it. There's just not enough so far for me. And so we get that in the shape of the enormous gray Totoro. Uh, She takes, so, so May... Uh, is a nice meet and greet with Totoro. She takes a nap on his enormous belly, and they're all friends. It was like a can, meet and yell. Can, can, I, can I just say that? That's there's, there's a bit of a scream, like a, yeah. a ghastly, beastly, horrible scream. I would be horrified if I stumbled upon a creature like that in the woods. Like as a child, I would just be straight up horrified. Although you got to keep but in mind, so he's got like the flat <laughs> molars and flat teeth, so obviously he's a herbivore, not a mm-hmm. carnivore. So I mean, I don't yeah. think she knew that, but I was like, okay, she's safe because he doesn't eat meat. I thought he was a bunny for the entire film. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, if I saw a giant rabbit as a kid, I'd probably be like, oh, giant he's rabbit. A, he's like, yeah, he's like, but yeah. he's in a bunny family. Giant yeah. rabbit would be genetically scary. I'm sure. He's... Yeah, I was about to say that would be terrifying. Giant Absolutely bunny. Absolutely terrifying. Whoa. Come just on, give you. Him a big carrot. You know I'm already traumatized by Watership Down. Come on. Neil just doesn't <laughs> like furry things with personality. <laughs> Neil anti-furry found it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Satsuki uh, comes home from school. She finds uh, May snoozing in the underbush. Uh, she and May tells her sister all about Totoro. Um, and tries to find his, his little uh, tree chamber again, but can't. They can't find it. Um, instead, they pay their respects uh, at the forest shrine instead, up by the tree. Uh, the three of them, mum, da- uh, dad, Setsuki, and Mei. Um, next day, the girls get caught in the rain on the way home from school. Uh, they shelter in a small kind of covered shrine. And uh, Kanta, a local boy, um, Grandson to grandma passes he's by. He's working his people skills. He's a little shy. He's a little shy, <laughs> poor Kanta. He's, he's, yeah. We'll come to him. 
he, she, he passes by. He gives them an umbrella to get him home. He's a nice kid. Um, they head out to wait for their dad at the bus stop. They realize he hasn't got his umbrella. Um, so they bring a spare one. And here's uh, where we get what is, in my opinion, one of the most iconic scenes in any Studio Ghibli movie, the bus stop scene. Uh, and we'll come on to talk about that shortly. We get Totoro turns up, then we get Cat Bus turns up, uh, taking the whimsy all the way to 11, my book. <laughs> um, once, once they've departed, Dad's bus arrives, and they head home. Um, whimsy literally, from that point, goes through the roof. Uh, the Totoros and the girls do a fertility dance, make the acorns the plant that grow into a giant, in these bunch of giant trees. I feel like the whimsy uh, has gone it, through the roof several times already. There are a lot of roofs on this whimsy house. It's raising its own bar exponentially. And, and, and as if any more whimsy could be squeezed into this one, Totoro whips out a spinning top, and they all go flying off into the night sky. Um, like you do. As you do when you meet a Totoro. Into the third act, and May gets, uh, gets it in her head that she needs to deliver some nice fresh corn to her mom, make her feel better. But she gets lost, and then basically... Uh, Satsuki grabs Totoro, cat busts to the rescue, uh, and in one of the rare third acts of any movie that I actually like, I've got a big problem with movie third acts, but this one I think is pretty good. And that's it. Um, happy ending. Mum comes back, fit and healthy, be it. Now, question, is, there, is this the one, is this the movie that you would give to someone that's never seen any Studio Ghibli movies before as the first one for them to watch. Hell yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd give them Grave of the Fireflies. <laughs> <laughs> and then you say, like, secret surprise, I hate you. <laughs> it's like, it can only get better from here in terms of your happiness. What, why, like, uh, what, quick question. What version did you guys watch? I watched the Disney version. I watched the, both. The subs. Okay. I didn't know there was another one. I mean, I assume there's a Japanese one, obviously. The Japanese but language version. Yeah, the original You watch, like, a subtitle one? Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I've, oh, okay. I've watched an English, like, the Disney version first, and, uh, like, I don't know, like, a year ago, two years ago, I just watched it randomly, and last time I watched the subtitled one, yeah, the Japanese version. Oh, okay. Did you yeah, notice I, a difference? I think it'd been a little too long since I'd watched it the first time, mm-hmm. um, so I don't think I would have known, no. Fair enough. Sorry, George, I interrupted you. No, I just it, I, I haven't seen the the original sub I mean dubbed version. I mean subbed version. I've only seen the uh, the Disney release. But in one of the few instances where I personally am one of those people that if I'm partaking of something from another culture, I want to see it as close to the original form as I can. Mm-hmm. But in this one instance, I completely prefer the Disney subbed version. I mean the dubbed version because it's just really. Big, they have sisters playing the sisters. It's like, it's perfect. It's so good. <laughs> what do you think, Neil? Um, I would be surprised if there is a, a Disney dub that, of any of these movies that I prefer more than the Japanese version. Um, mm. I, I just like, I like to see it how they had it originally done. And um, it, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I always, maybe, I, maybe, you know what, next one? I'm going to watch the Disney dub first because I always tend to watch the Japanese one first and then I watch the Disney dub and then I'm like, ooh, this is weird. Ooh, their voices are wrong. <laughs> so I'm going to do it the other way around next time. Um, 
and uh, and see how that goes. Mm-hmm. I just think there's something about the chemistry between the two girls because mm-hmm. they are related. That mm-hmm. it 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 is what this is what this is. It's very the the Japanese version because I've seen bits of the the uh, original and it was like it's nice, it's good. It, like it, you get everything, you get the emotional beats, but. There's something about there's like literal magic about these two sisters having this relationship as sisters in this movie yeah. that just takes it up a notch. It's Dakota Fanning, mm-hmm. right? And uh, yeah, it's Dakota and Elle Fanning. And Elle Fanning, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They do. They I do learned... a decent job, I think. Those two girls. Yeah, I thought they did. But a they're good they're job. age appropriate, aren't they? For the when they recorded that. Yeah, if they're not far off from their ages mm. in the movie, which is even better because you get such good performances from these small children. Mm-hmm. But that's the, one of the complaints we had about Laputa is that they they basically used like twenty year olds for the kids, and the kids yeah. are like yeah. early teens, if that. And it's just they sounded yeah. all wrong. It was the yeah. it was the guy from um, Dawson's Creek, James wasn't it? James Vanderbeek. Oh, James Vanderbeek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, come on. The, it was in Nausicaa. It was Shia LaBeouf, who I also oh did not God. think was particularly good. No. So, but Shia LaBeouf <laughs> is a good actor. I just want to. Just want to state that for the record. He has mo- yeah, he's he's got the potential when he's not in a Transformers movie. He's great. <laughs> I I think his problem is that uh, I can never see him as anyone but Shia LaBeouf. Mm-hmm. There's just some actors who I feel that way about. Like I'm like, oh, you you're out. just an actor. Yeah. I, I'm I'm the same with some people. Yeah, they just take you out of the movie and and you just you lost. You, you were you were mm-hmm. all great engrossed in this movie, and then this this actor turn up, and you're like, oh, it's a movie. Yeah. An interesting thing about the sub versus dub thing with this movie, which you guys might know, is that uh, the title is a pun if you're watching it in Japanese, but that doesn't come across in English, because the Mm. real word for troll in Japanese is toruru, and so it's like Mei is mispronouncing the word for Uh troll by saying Totoro. Nice, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that either till I was reading about the Japanese version and like why because I was like oh does Totoro mean something? Why does she? It's interesting that her mispronouncing it. When you think about it, the entire premise of this movie and the name is based on a four-year-old's misinterpretation of a animal's grunt. Right. Mm. (laughs) I was going to ask that question. Why does she say Totoro? Because he he grunts at her and he doesn't really say Totoro. Not that. Well, he said when he does his yell, it's like. I felt like that was a real leap too. She goes Totoro. That was like like, okay. What? <laughs> yeah, I, gotcha. so I guess that makes sense if you know that in Japanese she thinks he's a troll. But I'd also read yeah. that Jamie or that, a that Totoro is supposed to be troll, or it's like an approximation yeah. to troll, and that's why. She but calls trolls are that. mean and nasty, aren't they? That's well, I guess it depends. How on, do we know like... he's not mean and nasty? <laughs> that's well, a, I was thinking about that. Since we're coming to something. Yeah. yeah, no, I was thinking about that because she's like a little kid who's just wandering into the woods and comes or stumbles across this giant furry thing, and just through the, like the purity of of spirit is just like, you're nice, sure. He could be like an absolute terror mm. to like people that actually know about him, but like you know, to her, she's like, no, you're a big fluffy guy, you're cool. Yeah. Well, I guess that there's a there was a fan theory that Studio Ghibli had to debunk that he was actually Totoro was the god of death. And that May actually died in the drowning where uh, they find the sandal. Uh-huh. Because I guess that in the last scene, um, the two sisters do not have shadows. Oh and so God. there's like this whole like Paul is dead situation going on with this. And Studio Ghibli had to release a statement that that wow. was not the case. They were like, 
Hmm. We just didn't animate shadows in that scene. Like, <laughs> well, there, there's yeah, also like this, this theory that it has to do with this uh, grisly murder that happened in Japan called the Sayama incident, and that it parallels Ooh. this where a little girl uh, gets gets kidnapped and um, her sister goes to find her and tries to like rescue her and the girl ends up getting killed by the kidnapper and then the older mm. girl kills herself in the end because she couldn't rescue her sister and there are all these like little a lot of people go through and like oh there's like these little characters over here that say Sayama and there's all of this and <laughs> you know the the story parallels and there's a lot of you know yeah and it involves that Tor- Totoro is the god of death kind of thing and the cat bus takes you mm-hmm. to death mm-hmm. theory like the, mm-hmm. that like she the actually river, died like the yeah. fairy yeah that's the fairy yeah. yeah over the river sticks yeah yeah man I hope when I die that a cat bus pulls up and it's like we're going get wow. in so dope. <laughs> to, adding to the like, whimsy factor right. a cat bus with rats with glowing eyes right, for tail exactly lights. yeah fairy seats sounds all right yes now I love its window opening to become the door I love it. <laughs> I mean, you have to think. I mean, that that looks like a very comfortable ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like just like lounging in cat fur. Come on. I don't know. And the think about public transport. Like... Public transport with fur seats. Like that's got to be bad. Yeah. You know. I, well, I'm sure. I'm sure really the cat bad. bus can clean itself. It just has to turn itself inside out to do it. And there's a lot of grooming. <laughs> Although also like the, the cat bus doesn't really do have that. a huge huge turnover it's like it's like one two people every now and then it's yeah. not exactly like working hard it's fair well it's a public good george it's not making a profit yeah <laughs> it's really funny though when i lived in charlotte the uh, public transportation was called the cat system oh. i guarantee you though none of them were furry inside and you did not want to like lounge back <laughs> in those seats <laughs> well i mean i guess for me the main theme of this movie is, uh, you know, adolescence and the loss of vision. That's kind of what I take. You know, you get Granny saying that she used to see the dust mites, but not anymore. Uh, you get kind of Dad saying, you know, you know, you know Tatar will come if you're, you know, if you're lucky and all that. But he won't see it, and, and he doesn't see it. The girls see it, and you know, it's it's the younger one that it's it's May that finds him first, and. Um, I don't know. That that's what I took. Um, I Ruben, the the angel of death. Uh, I'm not so sure. You, you know what? I, when I think about those kind of those theories, when you when you look back over Miyazaki's works, right? It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't seem to me like you would put these things in to one of his movies. No. He's yeah, not, Graveyard of the Fireflies doesn't, come across. doesn't make me think of death, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, no, that's not Miyazaki, though. That's, that's, that's Takahata, right? So, I mean, that's like, yeah. War is Bad is, the, is that one. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I thought the, the movie was, to me, <laughs> very much about coping. And, like, you know, when you're a child, like, the things you come up with to cope and, like, the imaginary friends you come up with. Like, you know, you think about these two girls their mother is suffering from a long-term illness they're taken Mm. away from like i assume their friends you know and the rest of their family and especially the young one just has a hard time coping and you know discovers this magical Mm -hmm. creature you know and you know it it's obvious that in the end her sister has to cope too you know and that's why she sees um the same thing she sees totoro you know because she needs to cope and I feel like it is about, yeah, like coping and growing and dealing with like tragedy in 
in life and what you do as mm. a child to deal with tragedy. I also, like, I agree with you. Oh, sorry, Neil, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, please, Jamie. I was going to say, I completely agree with you, Ruben, and I wanted to add to that, that it's also about the different kinds of understandings that adults versus children have, because, like, the adults all have an understanding about what's happening with her parents, or the two girls' parents, but they have no understanding of what's happening with, like, magical creatures of the forest, and you as the viewer, at least me as an adult, have more understanding and like sympathy for the parents than I do for the girls. Like I don't fully believe what's happening to the girls, but I imagine like a younger viewer would be more into, you know, not really getting the subtext of what's happening with the parents and mm. believing more in what's happening with the girls. I don't know, I, f I feel like this has got a lot of, it's, it's all about the magic around people and so it's like the magic of the forest the magic of the creatures in the forest the magic of the people living in the, in the countryside and their simple sort of a clean aesthetic life and ultimately the magic of like sisters and the power of like that bond and how that mm -hmm. sort of like strength can kind of connect you and find you like 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 there was no question at the end when she was like she's my sister i will find her you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. so that's okay it was like this is my job because she is my sister and like that sort of like that that camaraderie and that power like that childhood bond and there was so much stemming from that like the belief in, in like you know seeing the seeing Totoro seeing the cat bus all the little mites like the acorn growing that's like the power and you just wanting to see things grow it was mm -hmm. all about like connection and it was like I don't know there was such a it was such a sweet fun uh, it was a, such a good fun movie but it didn't preach it was just like there was no like sudden su subtle uh, like like uh, uh, ethical moral, moral drama. It was, yeah. it was just like be good to your sister, be chill about nature, and just fucking be like live your life. And it was it was like that was the that was the tone, well, and it was great. That's why I think a lot of his movies work so much better. A lot of the Studio Ghibli movies work so much better than Disney movies because Disney movies try to preach some like pretty heavy-handed yeah. moral lessons that do not hold up. And if you watch like like Little Mermaid or Pocahontas or any of or Aladdin, you know, like any of these movies yeah. that mm -hmm. we grew up with, I watch them now and I just cringe at like, you know, what they're like trying to get across. It's just terrible. And but when I watch the Studio Ghibli films, I don't get that sense. It feels much much less preachy, like you were saying, much less moralistic than you know other. They're not trying to prove something. They're not trying to like well, make I, you feel something. And that they're 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 way more subtle. You know, Disney's just punching you in the nose, isn't it? I mean. Ghibli's made, you know, for for a broad audience. It's not necessarily made for kids. I mean, you know, different movies are different, but uh, within the, the Ghibli oeuvre, but they, you know, they treat even even when they're targeted or, or when they've got kind of a younger audience in mind, they're treating those younger audience like a grown like grown ups. They they're not kind of modeling. Yeah. They're not giving them like. There, there's so much room to breathe in this movie the like just the fun minutes where the kids are playing outside exploring mm -hmm. seeing new things they're not shoving a song every 30 seconds into this <laughs> thing to sort of move the plot mm -hmm. along it's just like we're going to show you this beautiful idyllic japanese countryside and this indeterminate time but it's probably like feels like it's back in like the 30s or 40s sometime when there's like you know post-industrial but like not, not things haven't gone crazy yet and it's just this beautiful, like, moments, these vignettes, these, like, scenes where you're just, like, 
like the, the all the stuff leading up to like May finding Totoro for the first time is um, it, like you know bringing flowers to her dad and like chasing butterflies and like, like this is a stupid bucket and stuff like that. It's just like these little moments of childhood discovery that he just lets breathe. And it, it reminds me of what it's actually like to be a child. Cause I remember when I was a kid, we would like sneak off mm. af- in school, like off to the playground, there was like this Creek and we jumped over the Creek. And once you were past the Creek, it was just these woods and we would just go explore when we were kids and like get in trouble. You were looking like, for porn, weren't you? We were looking yeah, for like porn. Like I said, the woods are full of porn. You just got to look for it. It's there. It's there. It's there. But it, you, I, yeah. Can I give a defense of one Disney movie, which I think mm. this movie reminded me of a lot while I was watching it, is Lilo and Stitch. I've not which seen I think Lilo is, and Stitch. It's probably my favorite Disney okay. movie as an adult. Um, and it it like is made very differently than a lot of the other Disney movies, and it has like uh, Native Hawaiian people as the main characters and stuff like that. But it has a similar like level of whimsy, I would say, and also like girl is grieving family mm. and makes friends with monster story. Yeah. So. Hmm. George, I, have you seen that movie? You're the one. Yeah, you know, I never saw girl, that one. So. That was that was one I missed. Of I, I've seen bits of it, so I know the premise, but I've never actually mm-hmm. seen all of it. I feel like your daughter would like that movie. Ella loves Totoro. Like, oh yeah, has for like years and years. We're talking. You talk later, like when you find stuff where you can actually like you know like cells and that sort of thing. I had I bought for her like this giant Totoro shaped sleeping mat. That has like it had like a little like pouch that she could slide into, and it Aww. had like a tail that came on and off, as sort of like a pillow. Brilliant. And it was it was like a it was just like a big Totoro shaped mat that just she would lay on. She loved that thing. Aww. It was like one of those like the big reveal. You open the door, and she walks in, and it's just like eyes explode, <laughs> childhood magic. And she slept <laughs> on that thing until she could not fit on it anymore. He is the he is the Aww. like main like kind of thing for Studio Ghibli. That's what you see whenever any Studio Ghibli movie Yeah, he's, he's yeah. The, the flagship, the flagship iconic character. Yeah. Can you imagine how much money they've made from merch? Oh, God. From this, uh, yeah. this movie so much. The, the, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so, I mean, you know, I, I was the same as you, Ruben, and, and same as all, all of you guys, I guess. You know, we, we kind of grew up at the start of the digital age uh, mm-hmm. and before it became mobile. Um, you know, what... I, what's it like being a kid these days? I, I have no idea. So, I mean, you know, I would still have kind of, I would have wonderful outdoor adventures like the girls here. You know, the, I think this is set somewhere in the 50s, I think he said. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not clear from the, the movie itself, but I think somewhere in the 50s, pre-TV is what Miyazaki said. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I think kind of, first, firstly, parents would be kind of super nervous about letting their kids run around and supervise like, uh, like Satsuki and... And 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 may are, but uh, but also Satsuki would have probably have a phone, wouldn't she? And uh, or would she be? What would she be? Mm-hmm. Would she She'd be, be TikToking doing that her stuff? Totoro time? Yeah, would she? Would she be interested in nature and going out? <laughs> I mean, you tell you're you're the one you're, you're the expert here, George. Uh, what is it like being a kid these days? I I mean I think it's just how much you put the emphasis on this because Ella gets out and like. She lives uh, a little further away from me now, so she's up in Uray, and like she's constantly like out doing like yeah, like I went and visited her a few weeks ago, and she's like, "Oh, next week is PE. We're going ice climbing." It's like That's such a Colorado okay. thing, what? going ice climbing. Yeah, for PE. like Jesus. I was like, she, okay, and she has like her junior park forest ranger vest with like patches on it and stuff, and she has like a little floppy hat where she goes out. 
Like she's just at a school that does the, like a lot of outdoor activities. And so she's constantly getting out right. to explore with her friends mm. and lives in a place where she can just get. But I mean, we were doing that when she lived in the city. We would just go to parks and stuff and kind of mm-hmm. wander around and like go look at things and go to have conversations while we'd walk. It's just, you know, it's just about how you get out and how you do it. But and obviously there's no devices at the time. You know, mm-hmm. there's no, you know, a technology. It's just like go out. You just, it's it's how much effort you put into it. Mm. It's just more accessible now. So she does have an iPad. I just have to like, are you going to watch this movie with me? Or are you going to play on your iPad the whole time? <laughs> I'm going to give the choice to you, but I think you know what the answer I would like for you to have is. That sort of thing. Do you, do you think kids need to have technology these days? Because if they don't, they're going to get left in the past. They're going to get left behind. I feel like the access is good and like having the, the social aspect of it. But I do feel like it, it might be a little too prevalent for, mm-hmm. you know, general health I don't right. know I just, but again sorry go ahead George no I go ahead I was just saying it's just one of those things where you just got to monitor it and kind of do your thing I just remember like as a kid like my parents would go on road trips a lot through Europe like we'd drive through like Switzerland and Germany or Italy like go down visit like the rest of my family in Romania and my parents would not let me have like a Game Boy or like anything <laughs> so basically the whole time while I was Ooh. sitting in the back of the car or on the train I basically just had to use my imagination I had like a stuffed animal and then I would have to play with the stuffed animal and it made me incredibly creative I just it was mm. it was so much I don't know like I work in the creative industry now if you can't tell by the beanie and the tattoos but um (laughs) so i feel like that helped me tremendously you know um at growing up as a child i don't know if i mean i i also grew up with computers i had a computer when i was in seventh or eighth grade but um i i don't know if when i was super young if i had all those distractions if i would have kind of you know played by myself you know and like come up with all these like imaginary Mm. creatures and scenarios and stuff almost like this movie you know picturing myself finding Mm -hmm. these things in the woods and the forest you know it was it was just completely disconnected from everything you know yeah i also i mean much like ruben i'm an only child my parents did not allow me to have any kind of gaming systems (laughs) When we went on road trips, they were like, it's you in a book, kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, yeah. I had a very rich inner imaginative life. And then my, my friends and I at school also, our elementary school had like a big park on the back of it. And we would like just go into the park and play imagination games at every recess. So uh, I, I strongly identify with this. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I go back to kind of what what I said earlier, you know, the, for me, the main theme here is, is adolescence and the, and the kind of the loss of, of vision, the transition from childhood to adulthood and the difference that that brings. I mean, you know, I remember as I got older, I lost the ability to play with my old Star Wars figures. Mm. Uh, me and my brother used to kind of play with those all the time. They were our favorite toys. We had, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 or some, something, maybe not that many, I don't know, uh, Star Wars figures, you know, the old Kenner ones. And, um, mm. you know, he would be, you know, the good guys, I'd be the bad guys, then we'd change it around. We'd have these imaginary battles, you know, we'd all set them all up. And then, you know, we'd have like one marauding pack going this way, uh, you know, they're going to advance on the Death Star and all that, all that sort of stuff, right? But at some point, it stopped being possible. And I remember very clearly um, the, the last time that we did, for all time's sake, we had one final game with the Star Wars figures. 
Uh, my brother's four years older than me, so it must have been even worse for him. Um, <laughs> he, he was the empire. I was the, the rebel scum. And, uh, and it, we're in the garage of our, our family home. And it just it didn't work because we're too oh we're too out of step um, we're we're too into reality now um, to enter into that kind of imagined wonder of of childhood. There's too much woods porn in your head. It was that that was the problem. I mean, I feel you? like you do become like too self conscious or too self aware. Yeah. I remember a similar realization about the Legos that I played with constantly when I was probably like 14 or 15, just being like, oh, these aren't as fun. This mm. is for babies. And then you yeah. like, and then you're like, I'm going to go sit over here and be disillusioned. Right. I'm going to go get on <laughs> AOL Instant Messenger. That's more fun. <laughs> I'm going to write an angsty away message. Can't wait. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll put these Green Day lyrics up. If you're reading this, you <laughs> might be dead. <laughs> Uh, so a question for you guys: um, All the stuff between the kids and t- and the Totoros, is that really happening, or is it all in the head? And I guess it goes back to you know the, your point earlier, Ruben, about um, coping. You know, and they've got this this mother who they, you know, believe is dying, um, or not sure if she's going to get better. Is it is this all part of their collective imagination? Are they just doing it to, as a coping mechanism, or is it actually happening? Are we actually in a spiritual, quasi-spiritual world? Well, I, I know in, in Japanese culture, you kind of are in a quasi-spiritual world all the time. Um, you know, they, there's that scene where they kind of go to the um, the the shrine, I think, or the temple, mm. and like you know, um, uh, bow and like you know, pay their respects. But I do think because you see, you see May like she she's upset and she like goes and she finds you know the uh, Totoro and everything and then you see May doesn't see them the the Totoro I mean uh, the older sister uh, doesn't see the Totoro mm. until she's like sitting there waiting for the father in the rain she's disappointed she's sad she's like very anxious and that's when he comes out because that's when she needs him. And that's why I think it is, it is kind of in, I think it's in their heads and it's, it's something we've all done, you know, like I've done it, you've probably done it, you know, like we've made up these like things in our heads to help us kind of cope with what we're dealing with. We, because as children, we don't have external coping mechanisms like, you know, alcohol and drugs and, you know, stuff like that, you know, we (laughs) have to cope internally and kind of come up with ways to deal with life um, that, that don't involve external kind of influencing factors like that. I feel like there's some of the stuff that could be like like this is this is their idea of that manifestation of coping, but I also think that in in this case, I think that it's just it's just magic. It's like a magical world. It's a world where the spirits are there and the kids are pure and innocent enough to tap into that magic and see these things that that the others can't. And that's and that is sort of like the manifestation of their coping mechanism. It's, it's like, well, we're in a difficult time, but these magical things are kind of what keep us grounded and sane and like not... I mean, they, they did such a good job of like showing that May was for no real reason recalcitrant. And like, like when she when granny brought her to school because she just she was upset and they couldn't figure out why that she couldn't make her happy. The only thing that made her happy was being with Sasuke. Satsuka. I was missing the T. Um, and as soon as she gets there with her, like she's just all grins and like drawing Totoro pictures and that sort of yeah. thing. Like 
they didn't spoon feed you like she's sad because of like you know this and that it was just like she is a four-year-old who's not having a good time because her mom's sick mm-hmm. and 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 her sister is her closest touchstone to her mother because she is like you know their family and like yeah. uh, like a like a step like like a the another crutch. word i can't think of yeah she's just like she, she's she's my uh my, my representation of my mom yeah mm-hmm. and so thing. and it was a beautiful moment when they did that and it's like okay and then she, may was totally cool with that and even the family's like i'm sorry we couldn't keep her happy she's like don't worry about it mm-hmm. don't worry about it and they kind of like yeah we get it but yeah i think the magic is just a manifestation of their belief in the world around them rather than like a mm. like a like a like a fight club esque, like it was, you know, it was, it was them the whole time type thing. Hmm. I think the magic's real. Yeah. I think it's, you see like the mm. shrines mm-hmm. in various shots and things like that. I think it's saying like the spirits, the old spirits are still here. And that's also idyllic of the countryside. It's mm-hmm. endemic of the countryside where like mm. they believe in these spirits. They believe in the shrines. The shrines wouldn't be there if they didn't want to give offering to them. Right. Yeah, it's deeply ingrained in the culture, isn't it? And and I think um, I agree. I, I I think it's well. I mean, I th- I think it's. I think the intention is that they're real. But I, here's the thing. I I don't think Miyazaki has the intention of telling us either way. Um, I mm. think he leaves the question unanswered on purpose, mm-hmm. and I think it's what he likes to do. I mean, he loves Miyazaki. Loves the moment when we're not sure if something's real or not. Um, and he gives us lots of them, not just in this movie. Um, in this movie though, like, you know, when, dad, when the dad is working in his study in the, in the evening um, and he hears something uh, and he looks out and he doesn't know what it is. We know what it is because we see the girls up on the top of the tree playing the ocarinas. Um, and, uh, and that's what he's hearing, he doesn't know what it is. So that kind of tells me, well, is that not real? Like he's, he, he's hearing something. Um, are they but are they really up at the top of these uh, these giant trees? Then, well, I don't know, and that's the point. It's you know you don't need to know. Uh, that you, the question is put to you, but it's put in a way to you that you just you know it's left it's left to you to sit there and uh, and decide. I mean Miyazaki leaves it. Oh, I don't know. He he likes to he loves to do this. Um, you know that. I guess the point being is you know just allow allow yourself to be in that undecided space, right? That 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 place of whimsy. He puts you there. Miyazaki puts you there, um, and that's it. Th- th- that's the yeah. end of it. You're just there. He does get like just like in the movie. He doesn't he doesn't force anything. Like there's like no morality. There's no like this and that. Basically, like I think the most moral thing in there is like be nice to your sister. Because the, mm. the the biggest point of conflict outside of like the mother sick was their their little blow up argument when uh, when Tatsuko was like unhappy because you know like in the whole corn thing and like her mom couldn't come home and you know all these things are mounting and she slashes out at May and it was it was sad but also that's what sisters do they do that mm. and and it's more about like just treat the ones that you love well because you don't know you might not have them after a while and that's the closest this movie comes to like some sort of mm. like moralizing or. Or, or ethical dilemma. Everything else is just pure existence. Yeah, and experience, right? Pure, pure experience. Um, mm-hmm. Experiencing nature, experiencing, you know, moving to a new village, right? And and making mm-hmm. new friends. And and you know, Satsuki's obviously quite adept at that. She makes new friend pretty quickly. Um, May doesn't have that because she doesn't go to school, uh, so she doesn't necessarily have that opportunity. 
but that's tough on the girls a right b they've got uh you know dying mother in hospital so you know trauma uh b uh, sorry c uh, you know dad is um i believe dad is a university professor mm-hmm. by he's trade. an archaeologist yeah, he's an archaeologist yeah, yeah. is he an archaeologist <laughs> right okay i didn't yeah or at least that. she okay. calls the archaeology department yeah. Oh, of course, of course. Yep. Um, so what does he do? So here you go, Jamie. Then what? What is he doing? What he's doing? He's working a work from home archaeologist. That that's very uh, that's very you know, twenty twenty one, isn't it? Well, I assumed he was like grading papers and stuff when he's right. at his desk at home, and then he goes to the university to lecture. Nice. Or maybe so, like he's writing a book or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, something so on the side. So, so that's C, right? So C is is the he's a very kind of hardworking, pr- pr- professional, but therefore distracted father, right? He's in his study all day, working hard. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll never get over that bit in the beginning where they run to the house and they're playing with that that post from the gazebo, and they're like, "Oh, it's all rotten," and they're shaking it, and like pieces are literally <laughs> falling on them. There's like this much weeded down, like it's like just ready to call, fall off the porch and kill them, and like the you know chunks are falling, and they look up and the whole thing's about to come down, and I'm like, I'm like, no, get away from there, get away from there. This is yeah. not what we do. Fatherly instincts. <laughs> and he's just like, "Hey, bring the radio in," and I'm like, <laughs> definitely a different time. <laughs> would you live in that house? I would. I think oh, it's beautiful. I love, I love this sort of like that house. open flow, like like it's rustic so vibe, like this sort of like mudroom mm. kitchen. It was great. Japanese style houses are just the best. Like like having those uh, that like open yeah, and the mats that you pull out Everything like opens. the mattresses and yeah. you put them on the floor of the bedroom. Like and then like so when good. when the summer comes around, like to put up the mosquito netting, yeah. like mm. to kind of like sleep under the net so you can still keep the doors open. Yeah. yeah. The it's giant clearly bathtubs. in the south somewhere, I assume, right? It's it, hot. It was relatively close to Tokyo because I think they said something about like he Tokyo, goes, yeah, he, he works at the university yeah. in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. So they're just outside of town. Okay. It's apparently the area, it's based on the area where Miyazaki has a house I was reading. Oh, wow. Oh. Uh, right, nice. Hang on. Let me look up the name of. Oh, it is set in an hour's drive from Tokyo in Sayama Hills, Tokorozawa, mm. where Miyazaki owns a home. Probably sure it doesn't look like that nice. anymore. Yeah, nope. It's, this article I'm reading says Miyazaki frequently strolled around the town and took in the lush scenery, which inspired much of the film's backdrop. If I didn't live in Tokorozawa, Totoro would never have been born. He well, is quoted go. as saying. And the area is now nicknamed Totoro Forest, and fans <laughs> can visit a Totoro statue outside of the house can. of Kurosuke. Oh Field trip, guys. Beautiful. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I do. I will well, say, I, when I went to Hokkaido mm. and I spent some time in Hokkaido, it was pretty rural up there. So oh, yeah. I imagine parts of Japan are still pretty rural. Even if just like when I took the train, as soon as I was outside Tokyo, it became like, you know, it went. There weren't really suburbs. It, it became like kind of rural-ish. Yeah, they don't really do sprawl there. Yeah, so no I, I mean, you know what? They might still be. Yeah, because yeah. with Shintoism, they revere nature. Mm-hmm. So like, you can't even take soil from Japan. It's sacred. So like, it, like a friend of mine like years ago was like, "Hey, can you give me some soil?" And I was like, "I don't think I can. It's, it's, not, it's against their religion." <laughs> that's an old and, request, yeah, isn't it? And so it they, is that's an odd request. I don't, that's not yeah. that weird. I have friends that collect like. Like she, she does it for everywhere she goes. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. you might have to do that yourself yeah. and like secrete it somewhere secret. I don't know because uh, <laughs> I don't think you're getting out of Japan with that in your bag. 
As and an so, archaeologist, I'll tell you, it's very illegal to transport soil across international borders. See? <laughs> you need all sorts of permits because they can contain biological agents. Okay, Indiana yeah. Anderson over there. I'm just yeah. You know what? Just go on Facebook. Soon I'll sell you some Japanese soil. Yeah, it is from, it's from Arkansas. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like a new business venture. We could sell soil from yep. every place in the world. I promise this yeah. is from Japan. Definitely. It's yeah, definitely totally. from Japan. Here's $300. Here's a you. certificate saying so. <laughs> But yeah, so they don't really do sprawl, and that's why their cities are so like densely packed, like Tokyo right. and uh, and like every any any metro area is just like walls or rafters, because they they tried to not expand out. Mm-hmm. So Hokkaido still to this day looks like like the Scottish countryside, yep. which is more or less what it's like its equivalent is. And Tokyo, the one of the first time I went to Tokyo, Tokyo just like blew my mind. It was just so like packed in and like mm-hmm. going to like Golden Guy, Jamie, you. When, when, when we were there golden together, guy. going yep. to Golden Guy, where we got kicked out of like bars the best. and yeah, yes. <laughs> then the subway closed the sub- and we were like very desperate. <laughs> right. But no, I wish I'd gone. Yeah, yeah, that guys. was a good time. I wish I'd, I wish I'd gone with you guys. I love Golden it Guy. It was a really many good times. time. So good. Um, so when when I went when I was in Tokyo, uh, or one of the one of the times I was in Tokyo, um, I went to the the Ghibli Museum in a suburb called Mitaka. Um, and, well, part of the experience uh, the, the, is the Ghibli Museum, which is a wonderful experience, obviously. <laughs> it's highly recommended. Uh, we can add that to the field trip, guys. Is, Excellent. Um, part, part of the experience is a screening at a set time, either in the morning or the afternoon, depending on when you go. And there's a schedule, and they rotate, I don't know six or eight different short films. Uh, you get one one per day, and it's the same one either in the mo- in the morning and afternoon. Um, I don't, I've no idea how long. You know, maybe they do one week with one and then flip it to the next one. I've no idea. I I tried because before well before going, I'd read um, that one of the screenings, one of these short films, was um, called uh, May and the Kitten Bus. Uh-oh. And I read about this. Yes. I was desperate to see May and the Kitten Bus, so I was trying to find a schedule so that I could make sure I went on the day that May and the Kitten Bus was screening. Couldn't find any kind of online um, schedule. There might be one now. I don't know. I haven't looked for years and years, but there might be one now. But back then, there wasn't. Um, that that film I sent hmm. around, the short film I sent around, was from the the museum uh, in the group chat. Oh right. So the so some of them have made them out. Okay. Yeah. Because some because they well at least back then so I went probably when did I go two thousand nine maybe ten back then the 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 short films they showed at the museum were not available anywhere else outside the museum that was the only place that that Ghibli would play them um, so you come come to the museum and see these these exclusive things anyway so we go we we go along and uh, on a random day and. You know, we have a, a fantastic experience. We, we turn up to the screening room on, on time, and it turns out to be May in the Kitten Bus. So right. I've, I've seen May in the Kitten Bus. Um, unfortunately, it was in Japanese with no subtitles, so I have no idea what happens. <laughs> could, not, could not tell you anything sure about it looked great. the plot, but by God, it looked gorgeous, and the Kitten Bus is super cute. Um, and you could, I, I can confirm, buy a Kitten Bus... A plush kitten bus in the in the amazing gift shop. That actually, 
that is the most amazing museum gift shop I've ever been in. Oh, I bet. <laughs> and I'm sure, I'm yeah. sure you can believe that. <laughs> it's so weird because I feel like if Disney did something like that, we would be like, Ugh, just another cash grab. We don't care. But there's like an authenticity <laughs> to, to, to Ghibli movies where you're like, okay, yeah, mm. sure. That sounds great. I can't believe you're doing that. Even like whatever your motivations, we buy it and we want to see more. Yeah. Whereas to if it's like fair, a, lots of people would feel that way about Disney. There's like yeah, a whole yeah. There's a lot of weird Disney thing out there. They get married people. at Disney, they go to like, Ugh. you know, their honeymoon yeah. is at Disney. It's fucking weird. There are people who go every year, like it's bizarre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the other thing that's um that's in the in the Ghibli Museum, uh, well first of all, there's I think I mentioned this when we talked about Lapida, there's a there's a life size giant uh Lapida robot um on the roof. Um, one of the the, the gardener robot, um, and there's also a life size plush cat bus. Cat life bus. size plus See? plush cat bus. I just want to go in there and take a nap. <laughs> I just want to take a nap in the cat bus. I would have. However, there is a big <laughs> sign. This is no adults, kids only. Uh, only oh, kids. Only bullshit. kids are allowed into that bullshit. room. Well, when we go to the Ghibli Museum, guys, we can test the security. We'll sneak we can in. See how, we can see, yeah, we, You're not we, wearing your shoes anyway, so you just like jump in there. <laughs> quick we should selfie. borrow a like, small child. Yeah, can you and then be like, child? oh, my, my child's lost. Can I look in there? I should take the cat bus and find my child. Yes. They're in a hospital in Tokyo. Yeah. Someone call the archaeology department. Her mother has tuberculosis. I have corn. <laughs> also, I think we should be clear that we do not want to start a feud with Disney people. I do. Oh, okay, great. It's not my They're show. They're going to come for our podcast. Fight me. They're going to cancel us. I just signed up for Disney Plus. Um, so I'm, I only signed I'm, up for I'm it to okay watch Mandalorian. Disney. So it's yeah, so well, well, there's right. actually there's a good stuff on there, but yeah, Good that's old. mostly just the Mandalorian show. They have some great National Geographic. Oh yeah, they got Nat Geo on there. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. they yeah. do. Is, is it Disney Plus that has the Jeff Goldblum series? What? Yes. Or is that Netflix? That it, uh, it, uh, it is. It is Disney Plus. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which I've not watched yet, but yeah, I'll it's hilarious and great. He's, he's weird and awesome. Just checking. <laughs> I watched that with Ella, and like uh, not like a couple of weeks ago, she's like. Is there any more of that Jeff Goldblum show on Disney Plus yet? Ah. And I'm like, no, but I'm glad you're asking. Yeah. There is this show called The Fly. Oh, yeah. God. I saw that movie way you too You want young. more it's Jeff Goldblum? It's all Goldblum. the Jeff Goldblum you can handle. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is on Disney Plus. The world coupled with Jeff it, Goldblum. Coupled with it are all the intern, uh, like inside out orangutans you can imagine. <laughs> okay, so what's your favorite scene in. Uh, my neighbor Totoro. George, what's your what's your hmm. favorite? Oh, uh, come back to me. Let me think about it. I know. I have an answer. Yep, there you go. It is the fertility dance slash tree growing oh, up scene. Oh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. That scene is very is joyous, that? and I loved it. I'm also, mm-hmm. as someone who is from a pretty deserty environment, I am always amazed by large trees. Green. <laughs> right? <laughs> Any kind of tree that's over like 20 feet high is just incredible to me. So Mind the camphor trees were beautiful. Do you have a garden, Jamie? I have a vegetable garden. Do you do the fertility dance? 
I'm gonna start. Yeah. Just jump. You gotta I get your air like though. You, you gotta jump all the way over that thing. I have a giant yeah. tree in my backyard, in the corner of our backyard. It is absolutely enormous. It is like 30 feet high, at least, maybe 40. It's really cool. Have you been to the top on a spinning top with a whimsical animal? Yep. Where yeah. you played a gourd <laughs> flute? No, no. At, at least, at least not while I've been sober. Um, you know that that may be fun. Not that you can remember. Not that I can remember. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think there's that one time on peyote though. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sky's the limit, literally. Literally. Um, I was the sky. I think my favorite scene of that whole movie is that super iconic scene where they're at the bus stop and she hands. Totoro the umbrella and he has this little claws and he just takes yep. it like this and holds it over his head and it's just the <laughs> most adorable thing and it makes me want to buy all of the merchandise and it's just the best thing in the world. I, I want that scene in my life all the time. And his little his little leaf, his little leaf. umbrella yeah. that he's using before. Yep. Yeah. And and I like the his fascination with the rain hitting the umbrella yeah. and like when he jumps and makes yeah. all the raindrops fall. Yeah. yeah. It's just, and like it's, there's also it's so a, iconic. There's a very, sorry, go ahead. No, that, that's all I had to say. I, I was just going to say there's this very brief flash of a shrine yes. to, I'm guessing, foxes. Yes. That I thought was very beautiful. I would like enjoy that as a painting in my house. I think that fox is, um, it's one of the gods and it's a protector, which is yeah. why it's always at the shrines. Um, mm-hmm. The, uh, the shrine kind of introduces mood and tone, I think, to that scene. And that scene, I mean, it's my, it's my favorite as well, Ruben. And um, it's probably, it's possibly my favorite scene in, the, in all of Studio Ghibli's um, works, I think. But, so, I, I have this guy on my bookshelf. Oh, there my he God. is. That's amazing. Oh. Yep. Mm-hmm. But the, so good. What, I, what I like most about that scene is... Um, is the tone it's the mood it's the it's the rain it's the darkness it's the shot from the from above with the rain coming down with the light you know with the one above this the the lamp above the street lamp so you see this the light but then you see this dark uh glow from the from the lamp it's that kind of thing and um you know even even the guy who cycles past on his bicycle you see the light coming and and, and he doesn't do anything doesn't say anything he just cycles past well, it, a lot of the a lot of his scenes are just like it's it's like a masterclass in cinematography. Like I've like mm, filmed stuff yeah. with like really good cinematographers before, and like it, his stuff is just it's so beautifully it's shot like a real life movie. It's not shot like the one thing I I've mm. I've always looked at. It's like everything you see in in the cartoons aren't from like weird angles or like things that can't happen in the real world. All of his shots and his cinematography and anything is like real world cinematography and that's what i think it helps you connect much better with an animated movie because there's no like kind of crazy angles there's no weird things you can feel everything like there because the cinematography is so good it's shot like a real film like a real movie using real camera angles and real kind of you know scenery and it's that that's what that's why that's another reason i like that scene so much it's just so beautifully laid mm. out like everything is perfect but like you were saying the lighting is perfect where they're standing is perfect everything you know the movement like it's it's just so well done it's it's clear that he is extremely talented and it's mm-hmm. uh, totally and and it's a it's kind of a microcosm of the of the whole movie because we get 
we get the real world when the first bus turns up dad's not on it off it goes we get the whimsical world when Totoro turns up and the cat bus turns up off they go and then so we dip in and then we dip out again when the the the, sec, the second proper bus human bus turns up and dad gets out and so to me it's kind of that that's what the the movie's doing all the time with you it's it's pulling you into the spirit world and then it's putting you back into the real world puts you back into the real world when when may goes off and gets lost and you know the villagers are scram- scrambling around that's the real world then it, and then and then it pulls you back into the spirit world when Satsuki goes and gets Totoro's help and Cat Buzz's help, it's just constantly flipping backwards and forwards, and, and it it gets you into a point where you, you don't know. Like we said earlier, we don't know what which is which, and you know, you, does it? But does it matter? Ah, not really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be my favorite scene is when after all the like the the worry and everyone running around and. And uh, she hops on the cat bus, and and the little moment where I mean, obviously it's in Japanese, but when the cat bus changes its sign to May, mm-hmm. they're like, "That's where yeah, we're going." Yeah. And she's like, "Yeah," and then like hops in, and then she picks her up. You know, you see little May's like little chubby legs, and all despondent <laughs> on the side of the road with the corn in her lap, and mm-hmm. you know, like the moment where she hears Setsuke calling her name, and she's like, "I know that voice." And then like their reu- reunion, and then the moment where they're like. I want to take this to the hospital. And she's like, we can't do that. And then the cat bus changes the sign to the hospital. And like, you're going to take us to the hospital? And then just get on. Like, just have this great adventure, like flying across like everything. It's so good. It's just, it's funny. It's sweet. It's like this nice triumphant moment of all the, like the elements of the movie coming together. There's so many, um, and there's so many uh, just stills. And again, it's kind of Miyazaki's, his fantastic filmmaking skills. There's so many kind of shots in this movie that you would just like, that would be a great jigsaw. Or like, that would be the poster. And, and mm-hmm. two of them are right there, George. So one, when the, ki- when the girls are in the tree with the cat bus, giant cat bus behind them just sitting in a tree, looking, uh, watching the, the mum and dad in the hospital. And yeah. then, and then you know, a minute later, they're at home and they're saying bye to the cat bus. And this huge cat bus is like sitting on this tiny little roof. <laughs> it's, just it's perched. Enormous, it's perched, yeah, it's brilliant. And then off it goes uh, into the into the into the night. But yes, the beautiful, um, beautiful stuff. Very treasure cat it, too. Yeah, very treasure cat. It was funny that like Ruben, you were talking very earlier about cat. the uh, symbology and like the like the like the cat bus being like the spirit of death and like may like possibly having died in the pond and that was her sandal. But they specifically show her wearing both sandals. Like, no, I saw. Yeah, movie, I, so. I looked for that. So I like, mm, it and okay. Looked for her that. little ghost sandals. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, any uh, any other talking points from this one? Check the notes. I don't think so. I don't, notes, I, don't, I don't think so. It's it's definitely one of my I think top twenty films like ever. I, I really like this. Really one. evolved. This is oh, the right, first okay. time I saw it. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna want that uh, top twenty listed out at some point. I can I can Ruben. give it to you sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Um, the just a while. We, uh, what? <laughs> While we're talking about the Disney dub, which we weren't at that point in time, um, Disney dub, George, here's the thing. Uh, the voice in the Disney dub of Totoro and the Cat Bus, the one and only Frank Welker. Yeah, yeah. I was like, he's in that. Tim Daly plays the father. I mean, it's really great when you're like, like I know that cat meow. That's Optimus Prime. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just pretend that you knew that it was it, he was the voice of Megatron, but that's fine. 
Uh, well, course. you know, I knew he was yeah, a transformer. He's a transformer. They're all the same. Um, they all look the same. Tim Daly, husband of uh, one-time major crush Tia Leone, for me anyway. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Major I crush. Thought, hmm. I thought she was married to David Duchovny, but I guess she could have been married twice. I think she was married to both. Yeah. Not at the same time. Not at the same time. No. <laughs> and what is this? A, you talk, uh, Jesus, Jamie. <laughs> if you wanted to get your hands on, um, if you do, J, uh, um, Ruben, it, when if you want to send me an original animated cell, yes, to add to my collection of the three previous animated cells that you're sending me on the other movies. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. This one's gonna cost you a little bit more. I'm I afraid. imagine so. I imagine so. What, what's what's the going rate? I found one for twelve thousand one hundred and forty-four English Whoa. pounds. That's not that bad. That's what, like That's sixteen thousand dollars, seventeen thousand dollars. Yeah, roughly. It's not that bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, get me a couple if you fancy it. I mean, don't hold back. <laughs> well, then you get enough. You can flip them together and make a little scene of the movie. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You have to get consecutive ones, though, presumably. Yeah. Oh, well, that so, would cost, wouldn't it? Yeah. That would be yeah. more. <laughs> Um, I mean, are the mm. cells, I assume that they're like, prices different based on what scene they're depicting. Yes. Yeah. Based on what's like, in the cell. If it's yeah. like the bath scene or something, it's probably less than one featuring Totoro. What, do you know that bath scene? Depends on the I crowd, Jamie. Be, <laughs> depends on the <laughs> crowd. Chorus <laughs> porn, gotcha. <laughs> that was, uh, that was like, I was like, oh, wow, this is definitely a... Okay, cool. All so right. Apparently, there we go. they That's... wanted to cut that scene for U.S. audiences. It's a cultural thing. I mean, it's, you know, don't don't judge it. Yeah, it's it is. It's totally thing. cool. And like the little moment where she like dumps the water on her to wash off the soap before she hops in the bath. That little like cultural moment of like we don't get in the soap. We don't get in that water soapy. Soap. We, we yeah. bathe out here. Correct. We jump in there and we rinse off after we've already. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it the little so moments cold. like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you don't want to look, it's a, it's a lot of money, Ruben. I understand if you don't want to. Do it's fine, man. I'll, just, you, I'll, I'll do a little bit of day trading on Monday, and I'll, I'll make a yeah. difference. Uh, see how much is in the uh, Science and Magic slush fund. If you want it instead, buy me a vintage uh, original poster. Uh, and this is oh, the I one can definitely the do that. Bus stop scene. Um, that'll set you back about 3000 of your US dollars. Okay, that's wow. a bit more reasonable. Pocket change, man. Pocket change. Yeah, <laughs> Memorabilia is not cheap. <laughs> now... Um, Paste Magazine, as you guys know, uh, and as listeners will know by now, has a runs a 100 top 100 uh, anime uh, anime movies, Japanese anime movies uh, of all time. This one, where do you guys think this fits on the top 100 Paste Magazine? I'm gonna go with go like first? four, number four. Four for Ruben, right? I'm gonna go with like seven. Seven for Jamie. George, what do you reckon? Bit I'm going to go you, George. one. Oh, number one. one. You're going to go straight wow. to number one. Now, number will, one. We already know that say, it's not one. Yeah. Oh, see? The, there benefit. you go. I don't know. Now, I, was, I was just about to say, George, you're at a bit of a disadvantage. Then, so we we do know that number one is Akira. We figured that out. Oh. I knew already because I'm the master of the list. They guys, <laughs> the guys figured it out. Number one was Akira. Um, where, shit, where were the other ones on the list? I can't remember now. Um... Grave of the Fireflies was really high. Yeah, it was way higher than I thought. It was like number four or five Grave or something. Grave of the Fireflies was number two, I think. Yeah. Which really? Was oh, really? Okay. It was me. number two. Was this, who was this list made by? Pace Magazine? Is this, Pace is this magazine, a Japanese George. publication? Or is this an American publication? 
I think it's a British publication, actually. It might be British. Is it just some pasty white people some making Googling this? Going on. Well, I mean, if yeah, they gave... Yeah. I'm going to go, like, ten. If they gave Akira and Grave of the Fireflies the number one and two spot, they're probably a bunch of moody bitches. So I'm going to go, like... They probably, like, gave Totoro, like, a ten or a fifteen because it's, like, it's too cute. It doesn't... It's not relatable. They're based ten, in Georgia, right. by the way. In Atlanta. There you go. Hotlanta. <laughs> wow, okay. Hotlanta. Luda. There we go. I've just pulled a list up. Grave of the Fireflies is actually number three. Sorry, I do apologize. Oh, we okay. haven't we haven't figured out what, what uh we know what number one is, we don't know what number two is, we know what number three is. Um this one um So everyone playing along at home is uh drum roll number nine. So George, Hi. well oh, done. Okay. Wow, George, uh, almost yeah. well done. Yeah. Almost mm-hmm. on, just a one-off. So yeah, it's it's pretty high up there. It's pretty high up. It's not, uh, it's not the highest Studio Ghibli, um, and that's even if you discount Grave of the Fireflies. Which you, you should. Know, not. So there's there's like one more higher than it. There's, well, it's got to be Spirited Away. It's going to be Spirited Away. I assume yeah. it's Spirited Away. Something like that. Something that had a real big commercial draw to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, all right. I'll give you a bit more then. There's even another one that's higher. Oh, there's two more higher. There's two well, more. Princess there's three Noka, more. I assume is higher. Yeah. There's three yeah. more higher, and one we know <laughs> is Grave of the Fireflies. So you, your challenge over the next, over the course of the series, guys, is to get the other two, um, among other things. So um, <laughs> what else have we got? You, did you guys? Whimsy, whimsy, whimsy scale. Whimsy scale, buddy. Whimsy the scale. scale. Good grading. We're rating. So what are you guys, uh, Ruben? Which word do we the grade or the whimsy you're scale? The well, you're the master of the whimsy scale. Whimsy scale from one to ten. creator of the whimsy scale. One this gets a 15 out of 10. 15 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying, like, can we give it a spinal tap 11? This is, a spinal it's, tap. This is the so, top of the whimsy scale. Yes. This breaks Our the whimsy scale. Our scale from here after is one to Totoro. Is everyone yeah, exactly. Out, is everyone out of Totoro? None this more Totoro for your whimsy <laughs> scale. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that right? Is this, is, is this as whimsical as it gets? I think it's other ones like Mononoke and 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 House they they're more magical. Yeah. Mm. But they're but this is more whimsical. This is like you're like what you're trying to scale. Like like there's mm-hmm. low stakes, it's fun, it's silly. Sometimes it's there just for the sake of being there, like the rat tail lights and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. It's it's only for the sake of that moment. And that's whimsy. That's yep. Well put, Joe. Yeah, well, yeah really well really well said, yeah. And that and you're right cuz cuz spirited away is more bonkers, but it's spirit world. It's that spirit yeah. world. It's serious. It's, it's, it's more serious. For there, that's just like it is Tuesday. More serious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Princess Mononoke is quite serious yeah. too. Yeah. All right. So it's it's the top of the chart. It's the end of the end of the spectrum on the Windsor scale. So the more controversially, I feel what's coming is the grade. Uh, George, what are your what are your feelings about grade? I mean, it's a bit hard for you, again because you don't have the context that we've already had on the other movies, but. I'm going to say, like, I think it's pretty obvious I give this a solid A+. Plus. A+. Plus. Yeah. Interesting. Like, right. I couldn't give this a higher grade if, I, if there was a system to do it. I mean, it's, that it's, everything board. in this movie is amazing. <laughs> right, George, is that A+. Plus? Jamie, where are you at? Uh, I'm a little lower. This is my third favorite of the four that we've watched so far. Wow. Wow. Um, I just find... I felt like the movie tried to play with my emotions about the mother a lot, and I didn't appreciate it. That angered you, didn't it? Well, coming off Groove of the Fireflies, 
I spent the whole movie thinking someone was going to die tragically. Yeah, but that was your perception based on previous experience, not necessarily the movie being like, we're going to kill this one. <laughs> I don't know. Again. I, I felt like the ending with the mother was like just a little too pat. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm giving it a B plus. Right. I felt it was B+. optimistic. It was like, it really was just a cold this time. You know, I don't know why they did that. It's kind of ridiculous. We have to send a telegram. All right, B plus Great in the mark. False that. sense of peril. Mark that down. Ruben, where you at? I'm going to give it a solid A. I think what keeps it from being a. an A plus is it lacks narrative depth, but otherwise it is an A, I would say, for what it is. You feel it's a bit light on story, or what? What do you mean? I just feel like it's a yeah. It's just a a, it's a bit light on kind of plot of any kind. Yeah, plot. I (laughs) guess. Yeah, it doesn't really have that much plot. It it's not complex. You know, it's it's just very. It doesn't. It kind of makes you think. It's it's, but it isn't like it isn't necessarily like an extremely complex film. Like you know something you'd watch like I don't know like. Like something that makes you think. I, I, well, I can't even think. Like, well, like, no, the I mean, like even Nausicaa. Yeah, I mean, well, Nausicaa is yeah. complex, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's yeah. competing politics yeah. involved. Nausicaa I mean, is still my number one. Yeah, well, however, Jamie, I would say that Nausicaa, you gave, I'm looking at the chalkboard right now, you did give Nausicaa an A- and you did give Grave of the Fireflies an A. Do you want revi- well, to revisit that? No, it's just that I'm a. In terms fun. of enjoyability yeah, to watch, enough. I guess. <laughs> I would you, much rather rewatch Nausicaa. You respect Grave Grave of the Fireflies for what for what it is. I do. But it's And it's beautiful depictions of airplanes. Yes. Yeah. But it's uh yes, not an enjoyable film. But no. uh, so but so yeah, that's an interesting point, Ruben, because I think, you know, you the, you make a good point. I mean there there barely is a plot and um it's it's doesn't have much of a, much going going on at all really but it gets an a from you because yeah. it in in the absence of all that it's just a beautiful mm-hmm. you know sensitive uh nurturing movie right i mean it's it's more about right? I, I know like a, a lot of people like preach that nowadays you know tv shows and films and movies are less about like the plot and the narration and more about kind of the mood and the feeling they put you in um, instead of kind of narrative depth. And I kind of feel like this movie is kind of a very, what was this, 88, I think, um, or 89? Mm-hmm. Um, this yeah. this was a very early precursor to that in the sense that there wasn't so much narrative depth and, or plot, but it puts you in a mood and it sets a scene that you kind of really want to dive into and you want to be in that scene and in that mood and in that feeling and i think that's why it's successful it can it kind of creates this this feeling within you and without you you know that kind of envelops you and makes you feel kind of like oh yeah you know cat bus and totoro and you know it's all fun and it just makes you feel kind of warm and fuzzy without there being so much of a plot i think it's hard to find you know examples of filmmaking that have both like that kind of tone setting and plot i mean there you can count stuff like you know breaking bad maybe or like mad men or stuff like that that can set like a tone and have narrative Mm. depth but in an hour and 20 minutes in a kid's film it's pretty much impossible so that's why i think this still goes pretty high up there for me as an a even without that kind of narrative depth 
I heard, I think the lack of narrative is one of its strengths. Personally, I like mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. the the fact that it really just sort of like it gives you a world, it invites you in, and it just kind of like lets you wander with these kids. And like that's that's the beauty of it is like you're seeing this through their eyes and kids are not narratively complex. They're emotionally complex, but narratively, there's always an answer. There's and if they can't they don't can't see the answer, they make it up. And that's, I think I that think, that's. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I was going to say, I think that's why I don't like them suddenly like trying to resolve the mother's story at the end. In the because it, it does feel like it should just be the kid's story. Do they resolve it? Mm. It. it well, I don't the think parents have that yeah. conversation where they're like, okay, well, you can come home next week. It's just a cold. I don't know. But the credits, that's what they the said before uh, as well. Well, yeah, I guess they're, the credits. Yeah, when right. she, yeah. In the credits, she comes home, right? And then, yeah, we right. see them back home, yeah. yeah like, I, I would have been fine without that conversation. Like, maybe if the girls just looked in at their mother and yeah, saw I don't think they, re- they resolved right. her mm-hmm. illness. And there's, like, also that sort of, like, maybe. That, but also, you have to keep in mind that what what triggered this was like them not giving the kids the information that they had. Like they said, like mm-hmm. I'll call you back after I visit your mother, and they just left them in this sort of limbo of my mother is sick, she might be sicker, I don't know what's going on, and then the 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 detention developed from not having the information. Mm. And so, but basically, what they're saying is like we basically we said something to them like like hours ago, then they would still be back home instead mm-hmm. of outside the window with a magical cat bus. Now we didn't get the adventure, but we right. also mm-hmm. like it's just like a point of like people don't relate everything to kids because they think they can't handle it, whereas in their minds, if they don't tell them, they usually make it worse in their own heads. But meanwhile, the dad's like, "It's totally fine to find this magical cord and inscribe to mom on yeah. it." Yeah. <laughs> magical mom corn. I don't know how he. Yeah. I don't know how he reconciles that in the end. Um, I I give this a B plus. And okay. it's, that surprised my, I surprised myself at that. Um, and for a long time, I was thinking, actually, this is an A plus. And then I went down to an A. And then I ended up at a B plus. And uh, so, I, Neil, why are you broken? <laughs> Neil, why do you agree with me so well? I, <laughs> I, um, I, um, I think it's a preference thing for me. I think it's a personal preference thing. I, and I don't know if that's the right way to judge a movie like this because this could be a perfect movie and for what Miyazaki made and what he wanted to make, it could well be, which surely if it's a perfect movie, that means it should be an A+. But I... Um, it's a, it's too, I agree... Um, with you, Ruben, that it's too, it's a bit light. It's a bit light for me. It it's uh, I I prefer I prefer the ones where that have get, got a bit more plot. And you know the the ones we've we've reviewed so far. So it's a Norse super plot heavy. I mean, it's dense dense plot. Laputa again, kind of quite dense, isn't it? Probably not possibly not as dense as Norska, but it's it's thick. Not Nausicaa. Um, I I think I like Nausicaa, but. It, it was just it was a little all over the place it was too it's much. a bit too long in that second it's act isn't long. it that's the problem it's we found confusing. with it it gets yeah there's too maybe too dense there's too much yeah. going on but Neil you're saying that like the the movie that nailed the third act which you notoriously think they can't do only gets a B plus come on Neil go with your heart no but I 
if I don't give it a B plus, I'm gonna give it an A minus. It's somewhere around there. It's not an A plus for me. It's not the it's not it's not it's not my favorite. Does it need to be a favorite one if it's an A plus? Probably not, actually, does it? Um, I'm, yeah. all, I'm in a bit of a quandary, really. I didn't. I just. <laughs> I didn't feel it. It's too. It's a bit light touch for me. I, I. I need a bit more, George. I need a bit more in there. And and and, and if I think about my favorite Studio Ghibli movies, they've got a little bit more. And, and they're not my favorite one, um, which we'll get to. It's not as dense as Laputa and Nausicaa. It's a bit lighter touch, but it's a bit more grounded in reality. It doesn't go quite as far into the spiritual world, and it is a Miyazaki, because um, often it's the, the Takahara ones that I felt are more grounded in reality. And you know, his next one we're going to get to in a couple, couple episodes time. Very much grounded in reality, only yesterday. But this one, I don't know. I think it's masterful. Don't get me wrong. Beautiful, masterful. The way he positions it with you, pulls you in and out, but tells you, don't worry about it. You don't need to decide. You, you're fine where you are. Just enjoy it. I very much enjoy it, and that's why it's a B plus. All right, that's why it's an A minus. I'm going to give it an A minus. All right. You got me. You upgraded. I, I feel better with that. <laughs> it is very beautiful. It's great. It's movie. wonderful. One it's would even say iconic. The artwork yes. is incredible. Mm-hmm. I just, like others here, the story is a little too easy for me. Yeah. It's a kid's it's a movie. Bit too light. Yeah. 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 Um, well, George, thank you for being our very first guest. You were hey, a wonderful Thanks for having me on. Wonderful guest. Many thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, me come and my back. very strong Totoro opinions. <laughs> I, I appreciated your eloquent and thoughtful yes. additions to the show very well put um, very well succinctly put um, look uh, thanks very much and uh, I know you're working on another another couple of another new projects uh, I don't we have no idea when this is going to come out we're, we're four episodes in uh, I've just finished we've, we've just finished editing the first one I think we want to get a few under the belt. Who knows when it'll come out. When it does, George, where do you want to point the listeners to to find your silky tones on the airwaves? I mean, as contentious and uh, controversial as it was, I mean, I still think you can't go wrong with listening to the Mogwai Minute. It was uh, <sighs> it's a lot of it's good podcasting. <laughs> it was good. Fun. But uh, my newest project that actually just dropped uh, on Inauguration Day was uh, Elementary, my dears. It's an episode-by-episode episode examination of the ABC show Elementary. Huh. So if you like Sherlock <laughs> Holmes or and if Lucy you Liu. and Lucy Liu or you like Johnny <laughs> Lee Miller, any of those, Aiden Quinn, you like Big him. Favorite. Um, uh, yeah, we release every two weeks, and our first one is already out. So go check it out. Wow, what's the name? What's who, the name of the who podcast? Who are you doing George? that with? Uh, elementary, my dears. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Who's your co-host on there? Oh, uh, my friend Allison. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. And she's only in LA, so the time zones are a lot easier to work with. Yeah. Elementary. I, I still think it's amazing that you made Mogwai Minute across a Denver and Hong Kong time zone. <laughs> hey, you know what? One of the <laughs> it, worst so time zone jumps I can imagine. <laughs> it, we lived it. We were there. <laughs> it, oh, it was either I was having breakfast. And you know it was George's <laughs> nighttime, or it was the reverse. No, we never had to. We never. We got had a few moments where it's like, we've done a lot of these 
I want to drink, so maybe we just flip it and then, like, and then I can drink in the next one, okay? Yeah, because yeah. it's been breakfast drink. time every time for the past three year recordings. I mean, Come on, I want a beer. Adult, you can you can have a beer in the morning if you'd like. Okay. I understand, but at like eight in the morning, Denver time, that's a little excessive. It's aggressive. It's aggressive. Well, you know where to find um, us. You know uh, where to find Ruben. Ruben, your Instagram is terubendc. Yes, got that I, right? I have a, I have a new Instagram as well. Oh, I'm, I'm, I was about to ask you what the F is going on. The, the man who's just, just opened up his own cat's I've Instagram a, account. Go I've ahead. got a new Instagram for my, uh, my cats, Calvin and Hobbes. Um, guys should smash that like button on catdilf69. It's really great. Sexy. Sexy. It is great cat content. The cats are beautiful cats. Yep, yep. Would not make into a bus, though, Halloween costume. Halloween costume, Hobbs' cat bus. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. So find find me at catdilf69. Catdilf69. Well, there you go, readers, uh, listeners. Um, Jamie, the good listeners can find you on SoundCloud at. uh, Oh. I've lot. I've, it's gone. What is it? Rebel at Radio Clash Revival. Radio Clash Revival. Yep. What was that called? Or they Rebel? can follow me on Twitter oh, yeah. at Big Seven Eight Three. Big Seven. A lot. A lot of pithy yeah, comments yeah. on or Big Seven Eight Three. Or on Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have not played Pokemon Go in a <laughs> long time. Do you do that? Is that I still was pretty thing? into it for a while, but it's 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 nice to do for uh, COVID times. Yeah, I bet. Pretty isolated. Did a lot of walking. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, and where can you find me? I don't know. Mogwai. Just go to the Mogwai. I mean, that's the only thing. Um, that's about it. Come back next week for... What do we do next? Kiki? Is it Kiki? I think it's I think Kiki's it's Kiki. delivery service, yeah. <sighs> Great I'm excited movie. about that one. Yeah. I like have the you guys, name. Have you seen it before? Mm-hmm. Nope. But I like the name. <laughs> new for you. Not new for you. Great. I like Kiki's All right. delivery service. Come back next week, guys. Oh, next week? Next whenever. For Kiki's. On Science and Magic. Don't worry about that. Like, that's our release <laughs> schedule. Come back ready? tomorrow. You ready, George? Science uh, and Magic. What? Science and Magic? <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's done.